Welcome to it. Happy uh, the hell is it? Thursday to you, the 8th of September, 2021. Almost a weekend. I'm Derek Hunter. This is The Derek Hunter Show. Appreciate you listening, finding it. iTunes, I don't know what the hell is wrong with iTunes, and iTunes doesn't seem to know what the hell is wrong with iTunes, and that's the most annoying part. But it is allegedly being worked on. Working on it, trying to see what the hell is going on. So I appreciate all the emails and everything. But it's out of my hands, man. It's up to the ghost of Steve Jobs, apparently. Anyway, you can support the program, and maybe I can hire a tech guy to figure this crap out since Apple can't, and it really is only them. You go to patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. Support the show, get extra bonus content, get all sorts of goodies. So, yeah, enter the contests. All right, that's enough. Let's get on with the program. Let us talk about the news of the day, shall we? There's a lot of it, a ton of it going on out there. Of course, the big, big story that the left-wing media has um, has sexually aroused over is that more, more, more documents have been released or leaked. Information has been re- leaked about the uh, documents over at Mar-a-Lago. It's amazing to me. The documents that they're going, oh, these are top secret documents. They were haphazardly kept over at Mar- Nothing leaked from these things. They were locked up in the manner in which the National Archives and apparently other administration officials from the Justice Department had requested they be locked up in. And nobody knew they existed. Nobody knew nothing. And now the FBI says, we must go protect these documents. And they go and protect these documents. And what happens? And protect, every time you say it is in air quotes, by the way. They go and protect these documents. And what happens? Their content is ending up in the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC News, everywhere. Nonstop. Now, it's all garbage, or as far as we know, it's garbage. We don't know what's actually in these documents. We haven't seen them. The reporters who are reporting breathlessly, there are nuclear codes. Remember that one? There's secret nuclear codes and nuclear information in these documents. First of all, change password, right? Every new administration, you should get the old password from the... uh, previous administration and then you should change it in fact you should probably change the password pretty regularly no matter what if you're talking about launching nuclear codes we are dealing with idiots here who uh and we've just hired at the white house by the way to help messaging john podesta who ran hillary clinton's campaign whose email they say it was hacked it was hacked because his password was password his password was password and then the Biden administration brings in an idiot like this going, oh, my password was password. You got hacked. You caused us the 2016 election. Oh, you're horrible. Hor- okay. How about uh, a nice cush government job will help work you towards your uh, your pension? That's why he's back. That's why all these people are like, oh, you know what? I only need like two years to get a pension. Okay, I'll, I'll go back and do two years. My side businesses will take care of themselves. I will still make a fortune. Somebody else will run them, of course, quote unquote. And there'll be no interference in my lobbying with my job inside the administration. But I'll still own the firm. I'll still hammer the checks. I'll still make millions of dollars. But I'll also work toward a pension. You sit there and you say, well, a pe- if you're making millions of dollars, what do they care about a government pension for? Because they care about money. They care. You will not find any greedy person, greedy liberal, who wouldn't bend over, wouldn't knock you over to pick up a quarter off the ground. They just won't. The richest people I've known growing up when I was uh, spending that time in Gross Point, you'd go to the movies with them. Oh, we're all going to a big group of people going to the movie. And inevitably, somebody would go, oh, I forgot my wallet. Like so, what? We're all not going to go to the movie because you forgot your. It's too late for you to go. Nobody, none of the other kids who you know probably had trust funds stepped up and said, "All right, I'll give you your five bucks or whatever for the matinee, and we can go, and you can catch me later." It was it was always me and my friends going, "Fine, all right, here, but you owe me." And sometimes they'd pay you back, but I always had to remind them to pay you back. And it's like your your house has a zip code, its own zip code. And I got to hit you up for five bucks 
to put gas in my 1982 Pontiac J2000 where the driver's seat is broken and held up by a two-by-four that if I were rear-ended probably would have snapped my back in half. People with money want more money and more and more and more money. If you think a a government pension of $100,000 a year isn't all that much money to uh, somebody who makes $5, $10 million a year, you're right. It's not, but it's money. They don't care. They want more money. They'd walk all over you to see the who. They would trample you for anything. So, yeah, they bring in John Podesta, the guy whose password was password. And they're going, oh, these nuclear secrets were compromised. And what nuclear secrets? Well, okay, they weren't nuclear secrets. And then they were different kinds of nuclear secrets. It was nuclear codes for the U.S. Now the Washington Post has a story, and it is amazing. These documents were significantly safer in Mar-a-Lago than they were <clears throat> than they are in the hands of the FBI and the Justice Department. By far, by a lot. But the big story last night from the Washington Post, material on foreign nations' nuclear capabilities seized at Trump's Mar-a-Lago. Like, oh, hmm, what does that mean? What does it say? Now, be very aware of the word choices here. A document describing... Now, this they've got one document. They seized a 1,000 pages. There's one document. They're combing through. They're not supposed to be combing through these things. The uh, court just ruled the other day that they need to stop. They need to cease. They can't do any investigating until a special master comes in because a lot of this stuff has executive privilege. A lot of this stuff has attorney-client privilege. And uh, the, the Justice Department just doesn't care. They knew that it was headed towards this. And they said, well, all right, that just means we've got to go through these documents faster so that we can leak them. This is all about trying to damage Republicans. A document describing a foreign government's military defenses, including its nuclear capabilities, was found by FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence and private club last month, according to people familiar with the matter. Underscoring concerns among U.S. intelligence officials about classified materials stashed in the Florida property. Notice what they didn't say. They they implied the hell out of it, but they didn't say. And the fact that they didn't say has to mean that it's not true. They didn't say this document was classified, right? You can search Google. There are like seven or nine nations that we know are nuclear capable, have nuclear weapons. Information on those military, you could find most of this information, I suspect, online, if not all of this information. Um, They don't say it's classified. They just say this raises concerns about classified material. Hmm? What? They're very skillful. Look, Goebbels did not allow Hitler to use words haphazardly. Goebbels understood the power of manipulation. It is the word choice and the order in which those words are placed that make all the difference. You can think about Bill Clinton. It does. It depends on what the meaning of the word is. Is is there a relationship? Well, it depends on what the meaning of the word is. Is, is there now and has there never been? Well, then uh, that wouldn't be true. But is there currently right now? No. Is Monica in the midst of uh, engaging in uh, acts of uh, pleasure to me right now as I testify to this grand jury? No, she's not. But I could totally call her and have her over for lunch, and she'd do it. You know she'd do it. She loves me. That's how weaselly people work. A normal human being, you don't have to sit there and go, I need you really need to analyze what this weasel says to me because... Uh, I can't trust them. They make stuff up. They always leave themselves an out. Well, that's what these reporters are doing. They're not trying to leave themselves an out. What they're trying to do is imply, like, look, Donald Trump has had this really, really dangerous stuff there. But if it's not classified, if it's something you could easily find online, find nefarious, sounds nefarious, and most people wouldn't spend an afternoon trying to find out the military capacity of nuclear-capable Pakistan. You wouldn't spend a lot of time Googling and binging that information and going through translations and and trying to find that out. You wouldn't, but you could. But they want to scare you. 
More than that, they want to want you to believe that Donald Trump was wildly reckless with incredibly important information that nobody should have seen. Some of the seized documents detail top-secret U.S. operations so closely guarded that many national security officials are kept in the dark about them. Only the president and some members of his cabinet or near-cabinet-level officials could authorize other government officials to know details about these special access programs, according to people familiar with the search who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe sensitive details of an ongoing investigation. No, who spoke on condition of anonymity because they wanted to make stuff up and they wanted to release information that they shouldn't be releasing. That would be illegal for them to release. And make no mistake, that's what this is. This is illegal activity being harbored by the Washington Post. Gladly, gladly, not a single syllable of any of these so-called classified documents got anywhere near the light of day when they were in Donald Trump's possession. The guardians of them come in to protect them. And suddenly, they're everywhere. Isn't that weird? Oh, these are so secret. Now, whose word do you have to go on? And how many programs do you think are so secret that only one or two people in our government know about them? That sounds like something out of a movie. That sounds like something, and I've just watched that uh, Blackbird on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. It's a good series. I thought the prison riot scene was a little bit cheesy and showed low, produc- low production quality. But other than that, it was fine. But a guy goes, and this happens, it was the the premise of face-off, too, if you really want to get down to it. So I suspect a lot of these people are getting their spycraft information and gullible reporters and willing reporters willing to believe this from movies. In face-off, John Travolta has his face taken off. And now this probably isn't part of what's going on, but just setting the scene. Has Nicolas Cage's face put on him, and he's put in a super-duper maximum security prison because he's trying to find out where a bomb is planted. And uh, only, like, one person on the whole freaking planet knows that John Travolta had his face taken off and Nick Cage is put on there. And uh, he's thrown in prison. Now, I would think that a couple of people would know. But in the movies, it's always only the warden knows. Only the warden and your boss knows. And the warden is corrupt or whatever. And, or the warden gets killed and your boss gets killed. And now you got to try and find a way to convince everybody that, no, 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 you're really John Travolta. You just have Nicolas Cage's face on you and all that, that and the other thing. That sounds like what the, this is so secret that very few people know about it. Really? Only cabinet-level and near-cabinet-level people. And if they die, then there are a whole series of agents out there who are screwed because they'll call the the CIA or the FBI and go, hey, uh, I've been working undercover in Iran for a long time. They're like, no, who is this? Who are you? Seriously, get out of here. When nobody knows who you are, I don't buy it. But there is no real question. They don't give any details, which is, you know, if you're willing to break the law, why aren't you willing to break the law with more detail, something that provides proof? Well, because if you're one of these so-called sources, you don't have to. You don't need to bring the proof. You just need to bring the allegations against Trump. That's good enough. It's good enough for a story. It's been six years with nothing but allegations, no charges, no convictions, no smoking gun, no nothing except uh, horrible allegations. Documents about such highly classified operations require special clearances on a need-to-know basis, not just top-secret clearances. They're called special access programs. They were all over Hillary Clinton's server, which nobody seems to remember or care about. Some special access programs have as uh, a few as a couple dozen government personnel authorized to know of an operation's existence. Records that deal with such programs are kept under lock and key, almost always in secure compartmented information facility with a designated control officer to keep careful tabs on their location, which does then make it seem less likely that these things exist. First of all, you'd ask yourself, why the hell is this stuff on paper? Why are you writing this down? But such documents were stored at Mar-a-Lago with uncertain security for more than 18 months after Trump left the White House. Allegedly, 
according to your highly priced, placed Democrat sources inside a Democrat administration. There's no caveats, no qualifiers, no questioning. It is after, after, after months of trying, according to government court filings, the FBI has recovered more than 300 classified documents from Mar-a-Lago this year, 184 in a set of 15 boxes sent to the National Archives Records Administration in January, 38 more handed over by a Trump lawyer to investigators in June, and more than 100 additional documents unearthed in a court approved search on October 8th. And then, and then they ended up on the pages of the Washington Post. Isn't that weird? They were safe in the hands of Donald Trump. They were safe in the bowels of Mar-a-Lago. Why? Because they were not only secured in a room with a lock, they were also kept on grounds that are secured and patrolled year-round 24-7, 365 by who? The Secret Service. Now, it's not exactly MI6. You don't have a whole bunch of James Bonds rolling around and Chuck Norris ground, patrolling the grounds of Mar-a-Lago. But I would say that the Secret Service is fairly good at keeping people out. I would trust this. The Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton trust the Secret Service. Barack Obama and Michelle Obama trust the Secret Service. The Bushes trust the Secret Service. Why wouldn't other people? Why would the Secret Service be untrustworthy? incapable of protecting documents and a facility uh, with Donald Trump around? They, ne they never answer that question because that question never gets asked. This is all about show. You don't believe that in the, what, 30,000, 50,000 documents that Barack Obama took with him to write his epic, narcissistic, two-volume, 2,000-page biography, third biography, by the way, third autobiography of his time in the White House that he's written, third biography. If you don't think he took documents with him, you're insane. If you think any government official, any Justice Department official, anybody from the National Archives has ever gone through those papers or even questioned what is in those papers, I got some oceanfront property in Arizona to sell you. This is Trump-related and Trump-related only. Period. So back to the, just briefly for the uh, classified documents, just to show how um, unserious this really is being taken by the media as anything other than a political assault on Donald Trump. There was a panel on Anderson Cooper's show last night, had the uh, ubiquitous left-wing former judge who has no, and when you hear her chime in, she has... It is abundantly clear she has no interest in in the concept of justice or the law. It is straight up get Donald Trump. And there's a national security guy on there who says, yeah, you know, not good that these documents were, this is, this is what passes for somebody on the right on CNN, not good that uh, these documents were down in Mar-a-Lago, but it's, it's a little bit, it's pretty bad that, these things are being leaked to the press, right? We didn't know about them. We didn't hear about them. We didn't hear about their content. When we were sitting around the, uh, well, the documents were locked up at Mar-a-Lago, but now that they're secure with the uh, Department of Justice, Biden's Department of Justice, suddenly we're learning all about them. It's weird how that works, and then it's probably not good. And that's all this guy says. And the judge chimes in and says, well, she doesn't, makes it abundantly clear. She doesn't care. She's a Democrat judge in that order. She's a Democrat and a judge, former judge. And then there is Anderson Cooper, who chimes in, uh, again, with uh, no sense of irony or self-awareness. I'll explain after you listen. Anderson, I was going to point out, like, you know, what Jennifer referred to earlier, what I don't like about this either is the fact that Devlin is getting this information over the transom, right? This, the basic, this, this information is probably classified in and of itself, right? These types of documents, the contents of the documents, those are classified in and of themselves. And somebody is improperly, somebody probably the Department of Justice has improperly thrown this over the transom to Devlin. And that's, that's it just as improper as well and should be condemned. Um, I also want to bring in. And, and, it's, pro and it's probably illegal. Sorry, Judge, go ahead. 
Well, just as improper, I think, I mean, improper, sure, leak is improper, but the notion that you want to put the leak in the same category well, as boxes and boxes. Well, it's illegal, Your Honor, it's illegal. You, you wouldn't be condoning illegal yeah. behavior. Right. This, this is the reason we don't have secret documents in a beach resort because they get out. Yeah, we don't have them in a beach resort because they get out. Weird how they only get out when Democrat Department of Justice gets their hands on them. Not before. It wasn't like they're sitting around and now suddenly the information about these documents is being leaked out. There suddenly somebody's going through there's, there's secret documents down there. Oh, I shouted there down. And then then the government has to come in and say, wait a second, we need to get these documents out of there because the uh, the world is now aware that this is going on. No, the world had no freaking idea until the people trustworthy enough according to the left, to handle these sensitive documents, started handling these second sensitive documents. And then they suddenly started calling the uh, Washington Post and the New York Times going, hey, you'll never believe what's in these. This stuff should never see the light of day. It's a threat to national security. And here's what's in it. Huh. Who's the bigger threat to national security? These documents being secured in the basement of Mar-a-Lago or the people actively leaking their contents to the media. I'm going to fall on on the ladder, I think. And that's where I'm going to put my money. That's just me. All these people are frauds. And speaking of fraud, Joe Biden is the biggest fraud of all. I want to... <sighs> but no, we'll make fun of Karine Jean-Pierre first because she is historic after all. And then we'll get into what a fraud Joe Biden is. And even Joe Biden is such a fraud that Jake Tapper, occasionally Jake Tapper does journalism. So that when Jake Tapper doesn't do journalism, Jake Tapper can say, well, you praised me when I did journalism before. Yeah, yeah. one in every 57 times you were were good. The rest of the times you kind of sucked and you're a hacky. And your wife is a you know paid apparatchik for the left. And like, oh, okay. But every once in a while you throw a question out there. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to play two examples of Karine Jean-Pierre. In both of these examples, she is reading. She is reading the uh, binder, her famous binder. She first says that uh, Joe Biden, the Biden administration created a lot of jobs. They want to take credit. They want to say created jobs when realistically it was just jobs that were allowed to come back as Democratic governors lifted stay-at-home orders. But listen to the number. I don't even remember coming up with this no- this number when I was a kid making up numbers. But, uh, you know, you're not White House spokesmodel at the time. Listen to how many jobs Karine Jean-Pierre says Joe Biden created. As you know, the good news is in August, the economy created 315,000 jobs, which is important. We have created nearly 10,000 million jobs since President Biden took office, uh, which is the fastest job growth in history. So you're asking me, where's the success? Here it is. Wait, let me finish. Wait, wait. Uh, 10,000 million jobs. 10, that's a lot of jobs. That is a lot of 10,000 million jobs. Joe Biden is so good at creating jobs that he's created jobs for more than everybody on the entire planet so you know watch out everybody else Ten thousand million jobs she didn't notice it that she'd read that she read it you can see where's the wrong kind of uh what is eyeshadow i guess is what it's called when you put it on the uh, it's like a shiny metallic it's ugly as hell but she's got this shiny metallic eyeshadow so that when she's looking down, all you see is her eyelids. You think she's closed her eyes going, please, God, let this end. But she's looking down reading. And it's abundantly clear that she's looking down reading because all you see is this gold glittery stripper glitter looking back at you. Like, you should pro- maybe paint some eye eyeballs on your eyelids so that when you're reading, it looks like you're engaged and thinking and know what you're talking about. At least more so than it does now. But then yesterday... She uh, she went on to talk about that pipeline, that damned pipeline from Russia to Germany that is supplying the energy to most of Europe, to most of Germany for sure. And it's a it's a different kind of pipeline. It's well, let's just let's just leave it at that. 
So you've heard us say this, that what, what we see Russia's doing, and we've been very clear about this, is that they're using energy, they're weaponizing energy, and it's choosing to, to one of the things that uh, has been out there, to shut down the pipeline of Nordstrom 1. Yeah, Nordstrom 1, Nordstrom Rack is really where you save the most money on your electricity and gas from Russia. Sears and JCPenney pipelines, and to a lesser degree, the Macy's pipeline, are all having end-of-summer clearance sales on the energy that they had created throughout. And sadly, the uh, the Kmart pipeline, pour one out for it. Nordstrom, she's reading these things. Not only does she read them wrong, she doesn't notice that she read them wrong. That's probably the worst part. <laughs> That's probably the, you know, the Nordstrom. T- okay, where did you go shopping this weekend? Because uh, nobody out there would get that wrong if you were knowledgeable about what was going on with Nordstream. Because you guys lifted sanctions on the Nordstream too pipeline and you had to defend that a while back but then why would you remember your own history either these people are nuts stupid as the day is long now i just saw this on uh somebody tweeted it on twitter and this is is really everything that's wrong with the left first of all did you know that uh news has a sexuality i bet you didn't know that news has a sexuality but it does NBC out. <laughs> NBC out. They describe themselves. NBC out is the LGBTQ section of NBC News. We write and produce content about and of interest to lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered, and queer community. Oh, yay. Jazz hands. They have a piece there that is, um, <laughs> well, they tweeted it out like this. It was supposed to be hot boy summer. Then came monkeypox. Over 100 people, mostly gay and bisexual men, told NBC Out how the outbreak put their long-awaited plans on ice. Mostly gay and bisexual men, and then the other ones are lying about it. Right? I just had to. I'm at this bathhouse because I heard that they had a nice lunch buffet. That's why I'm here. I'm not uh, not totally not gay. Don't tell my wife. So the headline, How Monkeypox Spoiled Gay Men's Plans for an Invincible Summer. The subheadline, Queer Men Across the U.S. Talked to NBC News about the dates they never went on, the sex they never had, and the gatherings they avoided due to the viral outbreak. Oh, my God. <laughs> the sex they did. How pathetic is your life? You're like, oh, I don't want to talk. I, I was only able to attend 10 orgies this summer, and then monkeypox came along. And it really, because the, the Labor Day orgies are always the best. Lost amid the frantic media and public health reports about the monkeypox epidemiology, the delayed vaccine deliveries, and the squabbling over how best to communicate about the virus to millions of GBTQ people. Does the L not get it? Yeah, they don't, because it's a gay sex, but whatever. People uh, whose happiness, well-being, and connection to one another have, in many cases, been considerably compromised by the mere threat of monkeypox infection. Now, the uh, the connection and well-being and happiness, it's spread mostly through anonymous sex with strangers in bathhouses and public orgies and things like that. If your happiness and well-being are compromised by those things being uh, unable to happen for you, might I suggest that your life is not as fulfilled as you'd like to think it is? Might I suggest that you're kind of loser? Quote, life has sort of halted, said Guillermo Rojas, 29, a Mexican citizen and public administration graduate student in New York City. Quote, this was supposed to be the great summer that everything went back and opened. Oh, no, no. And so Mr. Rojas, there's a picture of him sitting there talking about And you go down further, and what kind of sacrifices did Rojas have to make? That's just a tragedy, really. I hope you have a bottle of beer that you can pour a little bit out on the concrete over because uh, it's, it's a sacrifice. So Rojas was one of the first U.S. residents to receive the prized monkeypox vaccine in late June. Now, why is it... A, a non-American getting the vaccine? Who cares? 
I don't care, but it's very, very curious. It's New York. They care more about people, not Americans, than Americans. Uh, he said he was the first to get it back in June, but even with the benefit of his first jab of the two-dose vaccine, he still has sharply curtailed what he had hoped would be a long-awaited libertine summer. <laughs> Long, he just wanted to have a screw summer. He just wanted to have an orgy summer. Like, come on, I'll take all, everybody. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Uh, you think I'm exaggerating. Quote, I've stopped going to sex parties, he said. <laughs> Pour one out for him. It's just, it's just a horrible. I've stopped going to sex parties, he said. Given that public health authorities identified such gatherings of men as a major monkeypox risk factor, quote, I've also stopped having sex with people who live off their OnlyFans. Oh, you mean you stopped having sex with people you have to pay to see nude online? Wow, not all heroes wear capes, ladies and gentlemen, but uh, unless they're role-playing. Then they wear capes. He says, Such sacrifices, not since the invasion of Normandy has a generation or a group of people been asked to sacrifice so much as gay men have been asked to sacrifice by, you know, maybe getting to know the name of the person they're having sex with. Maybe, just maybe, not going to orgies. And if you're going to have sex with somebody, I don't know, wait a week and see if they break out into pustules. And if they don't, then, you know, do whatever you got to do. Or, better yet, do whatever you want to do and don't expect me to give a damn because I'm not going to give a damn because this is as easy to avoid as getting hit by a train. Stop wrestling on the tracks and you won't get hit by a train. Uh, I additionally stopped cruising the gym. Man, what a, again, it's bringing a tear to my eye. I did not continue to go to Fire Island, and I stopped attending orgies. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but this is NBC News. This isn't some fringe blog. This is, this is NBC News reporting this garbage. Oh, no, you can't even. It's gotten so bad, you can't even go to orgies. It's such a horrible thing. Don't go to Fire Island. Stop, you know, having random hookup sex in the gym. Oh, man, how do you survive? What is actually, what is the point of surviving, you might ask? Evidence suggests a recent tidal shift in sexual behavior responses to monkeypox. Hey, because that's how you get monkeypox. Huh? You think? <sighs> According to the American Men's Internet Survey, which conducted an online poll in early August of 824 gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men, other men who have sex, they're gay, right? Isn't that the survey? We had uh, gay men, bisexual men, and other men who have sex with men. What other kind of men are having sex with men? I'd assume that means gay men, right? 48% reported reducing their number of sexual partners because of the outbreak, which means 52% said, I don't care, I still put it anywhere. <laughs> Uh, while 50% reduced hookups and 49% reduced partners met on hookup apps or at sex venues. Now, I don't, I'm certainly not uptight or square or anything, but I didn't, I, I'm not in touch with the gay community. I've never been a member of the gay community, nor do I sit around and ponder the gay community. But I did not know that there were still sex venues. I thought they shut down all the bathhouses in the, the Rudy Giuliani years, or AIDS had shut down all the bathhouses. But apparently, no, nobody really gives a damn. They're just like, I'm going to have sex with as many things and people as I want. I don't care. I had no idea there were sex venues. And I've never been on one of those hookup apps where you're just like, oh, swipe this way and swipe the other way and let's do this, that, and the other thing. I, it just isn't of interest to me. What's most pathetic is Apparently, gay men, now, the gay men I know, I, I don't know, I'd have to ask them again, but it, at least when I hung out with them, it didn't seem like their whole life revolved around their genitals. It didn't seem that their whole life was just built, maybe it's because I'm straight, uh, but even when I went to gay bars with them, it wasn't like, oh my God, I must go, oh wait, there's another guy, I'm going to go into the bathroom and have sex with him. It wasn't that. I didn't know that many gay men are just, you know, 
They always say, oh, gay marriage, we're interested in love. It doesn't sound like anybody that the media knows are interested in love. They're interested in, hey, there's a guy. Let's have sex. Okay. What's your name again? Shut up. Get Stop getting so personal and have sex with me. Stop trying to dig and pry into my personal life and just have sex with me. <laughs> Guillermo, what, is it, what was that guy's name again? Yeah, Guillermo. <clears throat> Guillermo said, quote, it's just a small temporary break until everybody gets the vaccine. Woohoo, then it's game on again, says Rojas, who remains so concerned about living in the nation's monkeypox epicenter that he decamped to his family's home in Mexico City for the summer. He had to go back down to Mexico, the hellhole that is Mexico City, because apparently he doesn't trust himself to not start going to orgies and gangbangs and everything. He just can't control himself. I got to get away from here. Or look, I'm not, I've stopped attending orgies, but if I know that there's an orgy, I probably won't be able to not. If I go to the gym, I'm not going to hit on guys in the gym. But if I go anywhere near a gym, I'll probably end up having sex with at least 15 guys there. Boy, if you could just look at somebody and go, you know, you know, you're a horrible stereotype, right? And you know, you're doing damage to whatever cause you think you're doing. You know, you know this, right? It would be this guy. It'd be this, this, this subject. We're like, we couldn't possibly tell gay people to, I don't know, maybe just for the next month, get to know somebody you're having random sex with before you have random sex with them. No, no, no. That's a, that's a hate crime. Gee, I wonder why this keeps spreading. Just can't figure it out. I want to focus on, because when they're not obsessing about uh, Donald Trump and documents, documents, all oh, the documents, they are obsessing about Donald Trump in every other possible way. It's almost as though Joe Biden isn't president of the United States. That's how pathetic the media is. There are more stories on a daily basis about Donald Trump than there are about Joe Biden. Politico yesterday ran a story about Donald Trump and like it's been a month since the Mar-a-Lago raid and the Politico story GOP offers strained Trump defenses in Mar-a-Lago probe for now it's a month later it's literally a month later and they're still talking how many times all Republicans have responded to this how many times are Republicans supposed to respond to this? Well, according to the liberal media, as many times as they ask and as many ways as they ask and all that they want, just nonstop obey, be like us, do what we want. That's what the left wing media demands, obedience. To make this point of how they can't get over Trump, it's like broke back media. I can't quit you. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> This is CNN's Dana Bash interviewing. I'm not sure what kind of an interview this is because they she obsesses on one particular thing. This is why this is why Republicans shouldn't bother even going on CNN or MSNBC. There's no point. Oh, you're going to get your message out. No, you're not. You're going to spend three minutes being badgered by the host to answer a question that you've already answered. But you didn't answer in a way that they want you to answer. They didn't answer in a clear, clear enough way that they just keep circling back. It's a complete waste of your time. So Dana Bash is interviewing Washington State Senate candidate Tiffany Smiley. She's the Republican nominee. There's a poll out that showed that it is a, a surprisingly, it's within like four points, this race out there in Washington against Patty Murray longtime liberal Democrat. But Washington State is a mess. It's a mess, and it's a mess because of Democrats. That's going to hurt Democrats, even in a heavily Democratic state. Is Patty Murray going to lose? Probably not, but there's a chance. And so Tiffany Smiley is out there trying to talk about why she should be the next senator from the state of Washington. And CNN and Dana Bash, all she asks her three different times is, did Joe Biden when is Joe Biden the legitimately elected president? Basically, a media story. The American people don't give a damn about this, but the media does. Here's the first pass. Let's just drill down on this question. Simple yes or no. Do you believe that Joe Biden won the 2020 election fair and square? Yes, he is our president. 
Yes. And, and, and to be clear, you know, I think in 2016, Hillary Clinton had concerns. Um, Stacey Abrams had concerns. This is an issue on both sides of the aisle. This isn't a Democrat or Republican issue. We need to protect the integrity of our elections. They need to be, you know, easy to cheat right. or, or well, hard to cheat and easy to vote. That, that is very clear. Let me ask, and, and that's I'm going to ask you about that in a second, this but you said. A divisive... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, answer this yes or no. Yes. And blah, blah, blah. And she goes on and gets, yes, right there's the first, there's your answer, Dana. But that's not what Dan, Dan, look, you're trying to talk, trying to equate what Democrats did to what Republicans did. And that's clearly not acceptable on CNN because Republicans did it. It's different when Democrats do it. So Dana Bash circles right back around and asks her the same. Now, you heard the answer. There's no ambiguity in that answer. So then she circles back around. Let's ask that question again. Why? Because my 12 viewers desperately want to know. All 12 viewers are in the West Wing of the White House. They desperately want to have me ask this question yet again. Because the alternative would be to talk about what a failure Democrats are, I assume. You said that President Biden is our president. Was he fairly elected, legitimately elected? Yes, Joe Biden is our president. And look, my campaign has been so successful because from day one, I am focused on the endorsement of the voters of Washington state and delivering results. I care about the people of Washington state. That's who I'm fighting for. And unfortunately, Patty Murray fights for Washington, D.C. Her and Joe Biden have a combined 80 years in government, and we are just not any better off in Washington state because of that. Now, it's clear she's a candidate, right? She wants to get her message out there. That's what you've got to do as a candidate. Dana Bash is a Democrat. She does not want the Republican to get her message out there. So the bulk of the interview with this Republican candidate running against one of the sacred Democrats is about what? It's about Donald Trump. It's not about any. If, if she had come out and said, nope, Donald Trump was not, Donald Trump won 2020. How many lives in Washington state would have been improved? If she had come out and given, like said, hey, Dana, why don't you write down what you want me to say, you gutter snipe, and I'll just recite it. And she did. Yes, Duh, Joe Biden won in 2020. Legitimately, he is our Lord and Master, and he's probably the best person to ever serve as president of the United States. Do you think then Dana Bash would go, all right, now we can get on to the interview of the issues of the day? No. The issues of the day don't serve Democrats. So they obsess with Donald Trump, obsess with him. OK, I, you didn't you didn't say that he was legitimately elected. I just want to give you one more chance to say that. Or and if you are comfortable with your answer, we'll, yeah. we'll move on. Yes, I, I think I made it clear. <laughs> he, he is our president. And again, I am focused on the voters of Washington State. I'm focused on the future. Okay. You didn't, you didn't say it the way that I wanted it. You didn't say it in the way that it uh, reads on the cat poster in the break room here at CNN. And so I'm going to give you another chance to answer in the way that I find socially acceptable. Will you do this? Will you do it? Will you, will you just nonstop talk about You believe that Joe Biden is wonderful, right? You believe that he is our Lord and Savior, correct? This is not journalism. This is activism. This is what you'd expect back in the old days of crossfire from Paul Begala talking to a Republican candidate. But you, did, you didn't say it the way that I wanted to. Yeah, Joe Biden is the president. Yes. Was Joe Biden legitimately elected? Yes. Joe Biden is the president. But you didn't say he was legitimately elected. Why did you ask me the question if you already know the only answer you'll accept? Why don't you just tell me what you need me to say to get you to shut up. Now, if I'm this candidate, I'd tell Dana Bash where she can stuff it. I would tell Dana Bash where she can stuff her head, where she can stuff everything. It's right where her former husband, John King, she, uh, these people, you don't talk about media. John King was married. Dana Bash had an affair with John King, got pregnant. John King left his wife. All CNN. This got to be really make corporate retreats weird. Uh, and the the sexual harassment seminar. Dana Bash got married. I don't know if they actually got married, but she got pregnant. They had a kid together. And then John King left Dana Bash for somebody else who works at CNN. And you sit there and you go, these are the people who are going to lecture you about morality. These are the people who are going to lecture you about what you're allowed to say. These are the people who are going to lecture you about how you're allowed to think and be and act. And you go, no freaking way no thank you pass hard pass
<laughs> They're nuts. These people are nuts. I want to play you next this uh, clip from Joe. Uh, well, no. First, we'll go to the White House COVID advisor. White House COVID advisor is uh, Dr. Ashish, Ashish Jha. Ashish Jha. There was another virtual event at the White I love these virtual things where you got the director of the CDC. I don't think she ever set foot in the CDC, to be honest with you. She seems to be up in uh, New England at her house, but she's got the right backdrop for the video conferences that they have. So that's all that really matters. They're all on there. The gang's all back. I think Fauci was up there. But uh, the White House COVID response director is Dr. Ashish Jha. And he... He believes he understands how it is and why it is that God designed human beings in the very specific way in which we are designed. And it was all in preparation for the Chinese COVID-19 virus and big pharma to make tens of billions of dollars off of us. I'm not kidding. Listen to this stupidity. The good news is you can get both your flu shot and COVID shot at the same time. It's actually a good idea. I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, one for the flu shot and the other one for the COVID shot. (laughs) It's not hugs. It's not hugs. It's not so you can scratch your butt and your head at the same time like Dr. Ashish Jha seems to. It's because God wanted to make sure that we could stick in both arms. And Now, what do you do with amputees? Isn't that uh, ableism? Shouldn't some leftist be wildly upset over this? You have to go in the... I assume you got to get a shot in the butt uh, if you don't have uh, the arms, if whatever. But it seems like ableism to me. But could you imagine... That's why God gave us two arms, to get the flu shot. And, you know, for the 2,000 years, 5,000 years, that the flu was decimating people. And for all of the other diseases out there that absolutely just decimated the human species throughout the the millennia. Uh, yeah, to hell with them. God decided that in 2022, when Democrats are in control, that's why that's, he's play, God plays the long game. That's why he designed us with two arms, because time is nothing to God, right? But you get shots in both arms. Oh, they're still pushing getting those shots. They're nonstop pushing getting those shots. But when Joe Biden was up in Philadelphia, boy, howdy. Now, each one of those shots is a ka-ching in the bank accounts of Moderna and Pfizer and to a lesser extent Johnson & Johnson and whatever else comes along after that. It's just, it doesn't matter how ineffective the shots are, get the shots. Just shut up and get the shots. The government is prepaid another $10 billion, I think it was, to Pfizer for more boosters, 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 and shots, shot, shots, and they're getting ready for the Omicron booster, which they haven't even tested in human beings, but they figure what could possibly go wrong. Billions and billions of dollars, tens of billions, probably hundreds of billions at this point, worldwide, certainly, going into these pharmaceutical companies, and Joe Biden goes up to Philadelphia uh, or Pennsylvania on Labor Day and screams this into the microphone about, we beat, we beat pharma, we beat pharma. <laughs> Listen to it. We beat pharma this year. We beat pharma this year, and it mattered. We're going to change people's lives. It mattered. We beat pharma this year, and it mattered. We're going to change people's lives. Now go out and get your booster. Get your 12th booster, and don't forget, get the Omicron booster as well. That's why God gave you two arms. Go keep getting more and more shots. We beat pharma. How do we? Wow, that's, uh, they walked away with all the money, but we beat them. Oh, yeah, they got government contracts for $10, $20 billion in perpetuity. But boy, howdy, we showed them. All he did was introduce the concept of essentially price controls on 10 different drugs in Medicare. Government is going to, quote unquote, negotiate the price of those drugs. Those drugs are going to become less available because the pharmaceutical companies simply aren't going to take a loss because of the government. And there's going to be less and less and less research and development of new drugs which, you know, Joe Biden should be acutely aware of that, considering drugs seem to keep him going. 
uh, and the importance, if you've ever had somebody in your life you cared about who's elderly, who relied on pharmaceuticals to uh, keep going and live a good, decent quality of life, you uh, you look at Democrats and you got to understand that they're going to screw that over. They're going to screw that over. And you'd better hope that you or people you care about get something that a lot of people get or something for which there's already treatments that work for you. Because just because a pill worked on 99 people doesn't mean it'll work on you. Uh, otherwise, if it's not something a lot of people get or that there's a treatment for, most pharmaceutical companies aren't going to bother doing the research and development. Why? Because if you get something that impacts 40,000 people a year and you have to spend $3 billion and 10 years of research and development and testing to bring it to market, and if on the year nine it doesn't work, you're $12 billion in and like, oh, sorry, it doesn't work, you're out of luck. And then you finally find something that does go through, that does break through, that does work. And you say, all right, now we got to recoup some of these billions that we spent on it and the time and the money and everything. And so we can do more research and development. The government says, no, we're going to give you three cents a pill. That seems fair, right? Because they always say, oh, it's so cheap to manufacture a pill. It sure is really cheap to manufacture a pill. All the money comes in discovering what goes in the pill, making the pill, testing it. They don't care. So you're, if you don't get something there's already a treatment for, you're screwed if you don't get something a lot of people get. Thanks, Joe Biden. Now, when you're talking about these leftists and Joe Biden screaming, oh, we beat pharma this year. We beat pharma. Oh, congratulations, Joe. You, you, you set us on a path to screw over future generations, but you'll be long since dead by then. So, I mean, honestly, what do you care? You don't care. You know, when a, a guy who doesn't even acknowledge one of his grandkids is not somebody who really cares about the future. A guy who sits around and has a couple of junky kids, not somebody who really is uh, interested in their legacy, per se. Although Joe Biden is interested in his legacy and that he is sucking up to uh, historians. Seems like every TV historian has uh, been a network historian has been a speechwriter for the Biden administration at some point this time around. It's it's weird. John Meacham helped write his uh, his drenched in blood speech up there in Philadelphia. You're sitting there and you're going, why? Why would you do Well, because there are no standards in journalism anymore. A normal r- r- journalist, a normal historian, anybody associated, well, they'd be fired for doing what John Meacham did. But John Meacham, now things have changed that you can go out and you can write that and you can still be an official historian on network television because you're on the team. And it's all about the team. Well, <clears throat> Joe Biden is his own team. And while Joe, let's see, let's see here. Do. Joe Biden, uh, the other day, was talking about, I guess, no, it wasn't yesterday, it was the day before yesterday, was talking about how he got involved in the civil rights movement. I want to play you, before we play Joe Biden from this week, talking about how he got involved in the civil rights movement, I want to get in the Wayback Machine and go back to 1987, back when Joe Biden, surprisingly, cog- he was always stupid. you got to remember, he was always stupid, but he was cognizant. He wasn't cognizant of the fact that he was stupid, but he was cognizant. He was able to string together a sentence and go, yes, this is what I said. This is what I mean. He'd still say stupid things, but he was aware of it. And in 1987, when he was running for president of the United States, tells you how far the Democratic Party has sort of changed in the race game politics and that Joe Biden is perfectly willing to play whatever race game is necessary to obtain power. He was bragging, essentially, about how he never marched, how he wasn't involved in the civil rights movement. He basically didn't have any interest in the civil rights movement. So this is Joe Biden from 1987. During the 60s, I was, in fact, very concerned about the civil rights movement. I was not an activist. I worked at an all-black swimming pool in the east side of Wilmington, Delaware. I was involved. I was involved in what what they were thinking, what they were feeling. I was involved, but I was not out marching. I was not down in Selma. I was not anywhere else. (laughs) I was involved. I was very concerned with what they were thinking. 
Who's the they you're referring to, Joe? Oh, the blacks? You know, I was talking to the blacks. I didn't get involved. I didn't do anything. I didn't go anywhere. I certainly wouldn't march. I was too busy, you know, rumbling with corn pop. That was that was his involvement in the civil rights movement. Oh, corn pop was a bad dude. Smash cut to this week. Suddenly, Joe Biden was right there uh, in Memphis when Martin Luther King Jr. got shot. He was right there at the Edmund Pettus. He was a wit. He suddenly turns from a guy who was indifferent and not involved at all into Forrest Gump. He's just there everywhere. I got elected to, I got very engaged, in my case, in the civil rights movement. And uh, as a kid, I was, uh, I worked a lot in, in the movement and worked, and I got deeply involved in the Democratic Party because the Democratic Party in Delaware was a Southern Democratic Party then. We were uh, more a Southern state than a, than a Northeastern state. And I got involved, and one thing led to another, and... Uh, one day, a group came to me of the senior members of the party and said they wanted me to run for the Senate. <laughs> if you could cut through all the what the hell is he talking about bit, you can recognize that he's making it up. You know, I was, I was involved and in, I got involved in the civil rights movement. There he is back when he was cognizant going, I never did anything about the civil rights movement. I got involved because uh, the Democratic Party in Delaware. The Democratic Party in Delaware was a slave state, something about which Joe had previously bragged. Oh, we're a slave state. You don't know about anything. And the Democratic establishment was just about as racist as, you know, the Democratic Party down in Mississippi was. And they wanted to protect that. And so they came to Joe and said, hey, Joe, we want you to run for the Senate because you're down with this. And then Joe Biden went on to say things like he didn't want his children to go into a jungle to go to school, talking about black schools when he was against integration and busing of students to integrate the schools. Joe Biden was recruited. He's right there kind of admitting, but he's trying to rewrite history, recruited by the Democratic Party establishment in Delaware to be their guy because he would help continue the racist agenda of the Democratic Party at the time. Did Joe have an epiphany and go, I've seen the light now and I should know? Well, I guess technically he did. He saw that he could no longer be elected if he held those or at least espoused those views. And so he stopped espousing those views. And he suddenly became a champion of the civil rights movement, even though he's on record as saying, I never did nothing for nobody and I wasn't involved in any of it. So it's so bad. I just badmouth CNN. Now I'm going to give a little bit of praise to CNN because every once in a while, Jake Tapper will do the right thing. will say something where you're like, yeah, that's right. Now don't ever get confused. Jake Tapper is a committed leftist. But every once in a while, he will just look at this and go, I got to call BS on this because it's so obvious. And he mostly does it so he can say, oh, I called BS on that on the Democrats once a month. So then I can spend all of my time harassing Republicans because when somebody says all I do is harass Republicans, I'll say, I said that bad thing about Democrats. That being said, when Jake Tapper does do an honest bit of journalism, he does an honest bit of journalism or commentary, I should say. You're going to hear a clip, another clip from 1987 in the middle of this of Jake Tapper, where Joe Biden again admits he not only didn't do anything with the uh, civil rights movement, he didn't want to do anything with the civil rights movement. And then Jake Tapper's summary really hits the nail on the head. Uh, he lied to voters, according to the New York Times, uh, quoting aides of, of Biden's, about having marched in the civil rights movement. This is Biden making this false claim in 1987. When I marched in the civil rights movement, I did not march with a 12-point program. I marched with tens of thousands of others to change attitudes. And the New York Times reports, quote, more than once, advisors had gently reminded Mr. Biden of the problem with this formulation. He had not actually marched during the civil rights movement. And more than once, Mr. Biden assured them that he understood and kept telling the story anyway. That is really, really weird. <laughs> really? It's not weird when you recognize he's an opportunist. I misset it up. It's a different cut from 87, which is weird because he says in 87, I didn't do nothing for nobody. And then he says, well, I was marching in the civil rights movement. He has publicly stated numerous times 
and not all that long ago that he never got involved in the civil rights movement. But there he was when it was convenient for him. I was watching the civil rights movement. Even Jake Tapper's like, that's just really weird. No, it's not really weird. It's really corrupt. There's a difference. Now, you could say in the past it was corrupt. He was lying. Now you might say he could actually be so far gone mentally that he believes he marched in the civil rights movement. He believes he was engaged, that he was out in the street, that somebody hit him upside the head. Now, maybe somebody hit him upside the head, but it wasn't in the civil rights movement. Although he certainly does have the brain damage to imply it, but it definitely was not in the civil rights movement. It's probably some girl he was sniffing the hair of, or her boyfriend. Oh, let's circle back to uh, Karine Jean-Pierre for a moment, shall we? Karine Jean-Pierre, when she was just a commentator, when she was a lowly cable news troll, she was still, well, she wasn't super historic then because there were a lot of gay black women on cable news, but she became historic when she became the White House spokesmodel. Totally, completely historically bad, but still historic nonetheless. She was finally asked, and this is, you know, you listen to her smart-ass response here, because Ducey, all this whining and complaining about, oh, my God, anybody who denies elections is a problem, they're a threat to democracy, they're just the worst person in the whole wide world, and they need to be locked up and have that key thrown away, and nobody could ever talk to them anywhere. Okay, well, fine. What about your election denial? Because she has a long storied history about complaining about stolen elections when it comes to Republicans, when Republicans win. Donald Trump stole the election in 2016, according to Karine Jean-Pierre. She was asked about it. And sadly, how long, first of all, how long did it take to ask about this? And secondly, why is it only Peter Ducey who's asking about this? That tells you about them, doesn't it? That the media, there's nobody else in the media who goes, you know, Carisha Pierre has been pretty, she was on our network talking about things and um, how Donald Trump stole the election. And nobody bothered to ask about it while she's ranting and railing and raving about stealing the election. Her response is uh, precious, to say the least. On the MAGA Republicans, you tweeted in 2016, Trump stole an election. I was waiting, Peter, when you were going to ask me that question. Well, here we go. (laughs) You tweeted Trump stole an election. You tweeted Brian Kemp stole an election. If denying election results is extreme now, why was it So let's let's be really clear that... That comparison that you made is just ridiculous. I have been, I have been, well, you're asking me, you're asking me a question. Let me answer it. And you said it was ridiculous. I was, I was talking specifically at that time of what was happening with voting rights and the, what was in danger of voting rights. That's what I was speaking to at the time. And here's the thing. I have said, Governor Kemp won the election in Georgia. I've been clear about that. Uh, I have said, President Trump won the election of 2016. And I've been clear about that. (laughs) <laughs> She's been clear about that. She tweeted back on December 17th, 2016, <clears throat> before Donald Trump even took office. Stolen emails, stolen drones, stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. Oh, but she was talking about voting rights. No, she wasn't. She was talking about a drone that had been seized by a foreign nation. That was what it, she was in response to a guy named Kyle Griffin, who is a producer over at MSNBC. That was what she was responding. Now, the Donald Trump tweet has been uh, deleted because Trump has been suspended, but it says, so if a foreign nation takes something of ours, we should let them keep it? That's what he said. And Corinne Jean-Pierre says, stolen emails, stolen drones, stolen election. Welcome to the world of unprecedented Trump. Where is the voting rights aspect of that exchange. If anybody can point that out, I'm all ears. But of course, it doesn't exist because she's full of crap. But she's historically full of crap or something. 
The Brian Kemp thing, Brian Kemp stole the election. Stacey Abrams is the rightful governor of Georgia. Oh, no, no, I was talking about voting rights. Were you? Were you? Because it doesn't read like it. It's just weird how suddenly she goes, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant. It's exactly what she meant. There isn't a single other person in the entirety of the White House press corps who has bothered to follow up, who will follow up, who will call her out on this, and it's just Peter Ducey versus the world. And therefore, it can just be dismissed as, well, it's just Fox News. What are you going to do? It's Fox News. Come on, man. It's just Fox News. It's pathetic. If you have to lie, you don't really have uh, the truth on your side, do you? Do you? All right, now I want to go back to Pennsylvania for a second and play you a clip of Frankenstein's monster running for United States Senate up there, a guy named John Fetterman. He, I, I'm not mocking him because he had a stroke. I'm mocking him because he literally looks like Nosferatu. He does. He looks like a vampire. He looks like Frankenstein's monster. He's like six foot seven, bald, ears as the day is long, a goatee, and speaks in growls and grunts. Fire, ban! And the, the union crowd goes, oh, fire, fire, fire is bad. Fire is bad. <laughs> At a campaign speech the other day, just to show you, it's, he's avoiding refusing, avoiding his code for refusing, to debate Dr. Oz, saying, oh, Dr. Oz made fun of my stroke, so I don't want to debate him. And then they, when the people said, that's garbage, they said, well, Dr. Oz... You can't. He can't debate because when you get into a crowd, it, people with strokes have difficulty hearing, and so and you're like sitting there going, "Well, the Senate is a crowd. Maybe you shouldn't be running for Senate." But he, you say it's uh, it's hard to hear there, so it can be confusing for people with strokes. To which the answer would be, "Well, then we'll have a debate in a in a television studio." Nobody has to be there. Doesn't have to be an audience. And you can have a serious discussion. But then they refuse that, too, because Uncle Fester here, Frankenstein Fetterman, can't string together a coherent sentence. That's why they don't want to have him debate. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, here he is just this week. Please understand the stakes in this race. Send me to Washington, D.C. to send... So I can work with Senator Casey and I can champion the union way of life in Jersey, in, excuse me, in D.C. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's an honor. I live eight minutes away from here. And when I leave tonight, I got three miles away. Dr. Oz in his mansion in New Jersey. You've got a friend and you have an ally, send me to Washington, D.C. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steelworkers. How do you applaud that? How do you do anything but pity that? How do you sit? How do you claim to love that guy and go, yeah, but just shut up and go out there. Just go out there. Get out there. You should be ashamed. Or his wife should be ashamed of herself. It's a lot like, and actually might even be a little bit worse than Jill Biden and Joe sitting there clapping and applauding and parading him out to make a complete fool of himself. Fetterman had a stroke. It's a mental condition. It's a medical condition. He should be cared for. He should be in rehabilitation if he ever wants to recover completely. And instead, they're parading him out there to bark through semi-speeches where he skips every third word and is completely unaware of it and then spouts gibberish. You can't claim to love somebody and put them through that. But then, again, Democrats don't love anything but power. That is it for today. It's enough. Have yourself a wonderful, glorious day. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. Thanks for listening.